Blog Talk Radio. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. What up, ladies and gentlemen? It's the one, the only, Brian Rails, who the fuck else, Pizza Simpson, will be joining us promptly around, oh, sometime this year. I mean, sometime this episode. So if you want to know What's been on the mind of good old Brian Rails? Let's start off with quick reviews, quick synopsis of WWE Raw, WWE SmackDown Live, NXT. Oh, and um, just a brief reminder, folks. WWE is going to live audiences first at Money in the Bank in Fort Worth, Texas. Yes, it's a smaller venue. Actually, you know what? Venue's a venue, but that's besides the point. So, without further ado, let me see here. Oh, my goodness. Okay, no, no. Yes. If you'd like to contact us during the show, it's Wrestle underscore radio on Instagram. Wrestle Radio Network forward slash Facebook.com. Oh, and um, my personal favorite. At underscore Brian Rails Twitter. And also, you can contact Pizza Simpson on his Instagram directly if you have any questions. So, again, let's start off with WWE Raw. Let's be let's be generous folks, shall we? So that night featured a battle royal in which Damian Priest and Matt Riddle squared off again. Matt Riddle won that battle royal. And it was I guess a qualifying match for money in the bank. And Matt Riddle also replaced Randy Orton. Status of Randy Orton has been revealed on several gossip websites, which I will not talk about. Also, Nikki Cross versus Shayna Baszler. Alexa Bliss provided a distraction. Nikki Cross ended up getting the victory. Oh, and Kofi Kingston took out MVP and got revenge on Bobby Lashley. I wonder, there was a qualifying match with AJ Styles, Drew McIntyre, someone else. Okay. Well, those are the highlights of WWE Raw, and I just got done watching SmackDown Live. I also took notes on NXT, 
So bear with me. Ah, here we are. So, the very first part of my notes is that McIntyre wins qualifying match. Nikki Cross beat Baszler. Kofi Kingston took out MVP. Dudrope and Eva Marie defeat Asuka and Naomi. Are you kidding me? Oh, Jesus. When Dudrope and Asuka, Eva Marie claimed Dudrope abandoning her mid-match last week was a rookie mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Marie took me... What the fuck is going on? Hey, I forgot about that match. And I'd much rather soon forget it. Anyways, Ricochet versus John Morrison. Ended up in a double countout. Yeah. That one... No thanks. Charlotte Flair, Tamina and Natalia, see Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke, and Rhea Ripley. What in the hell is going on? Okay, so Flair hit Rose with a big boot. That's Ripley. She hit a shot butt before running off. What is going on? Jackson Riker defeat Elias Pencil. I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> Next. Okay. So, there was a battle royal on time. Um, McIntyre ended up securing his spot for qualifying for the money, men's Money in the Bank ladder match. There is some from Raw, some from SmackDown Live. The winner gets their respective brands contract and will cash in if they win that briefcase to their respective champion. I think it's kind of retarded. But anyways, my thoughts on that. Wow. They found another way to piss me off. They, as in WWE, whoever decided to steamroll over Asuka and his partner, really? Really? Eva Marie? Uh, should I be shocked, though, guys? I mean, maybe she's improved care. I really don't. Let's move on before I go too off the rails and too off tangent. So, NXT Tuesday. lot going on in the black and gold brand and I don't think I like it you know how I know I don't like it because I sat there and went through every match and thought to myself should I really yes maybe I should well Okay. That's old. Can you hand me my notes, please? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's some new faces in the NXT. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, Pizza Simpson is just informing that he will be on later. So... On the June 29th edition of NXT, good old Brian Rail sat down and watched the biggest crock of shit. No, I'm just kidding. So, you have a lot going on, and this all involves Samoa Joe, pretty much the majority of it. 
So So the main event was Bronson Reed versus Isaiah Sword Scott. I've gone over this before on previous episode of Wrestle Radio Network. The NXT number one NXT women's tag team championship number one contenders match featuring Ember Moon, Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart versus Zoe Stark and Io Shirai versus and yeah, versus Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. That was probably the best match in the night. Alright. Okay, Mercedes Martinez get knocked the fuck out by she did have a concussion. She is going through concussion protocol. Should be cleared. Not sure. Don't want to give two false medical updates, but let's see here. All right. So, okay. And that's got to be. Okay, well, I'm not surprised. I am not surprised. All right, you know. It was very back and forth pace, you know. Dakota Kai tried to steal one by pulling the tights. That's fine, you know. She's supposed to be healed. That's what she does. Um, trying to find the rest of me notes. So, yes, Adam or Adam Cole confronts Kyle O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. Basically says he wouldn't have half the career he would have had if it wasn't for Adam Cole. That's what Adam Cole said. I don't know what I'm just saying. It's just that's what was said. Okay. I believe I don't have to go over much if I went over it on Wednesday, and that happens to be with Karrion Cross and Gargano and Austin Theory got into it, and you saw what happened, you know, Samoa Joe keeps involving security, I cannot wait for the days when Samoa Joe chokes Karrion uh, Cross out, that's going to be awesome. Anyways, so Mercedes Martinez got knocked out, KO'd real bad by Violet. And uh, let me just say something again about that. It's complete bullshit. That's all I'm going to say. Any other matches noteworthy? Probably not. Not going to mention Hydro. Didn't care for them. So moving on. Smackdown Live. Okay. Okay, okay. So... Ed starts off the night tonight with a promo. And then you see Jimmy Uso in the back talking to Heyman, who remained like a statue the entire night, basically, telling him, I know what's going to happen. I know what happens when Roman's going to come here. Yeah, you know what's going to happen. So, men's tag team action, Sami Zayn. Actually, no, that's later. That was the last man standing. That's my bad, folks. There's a tag match, Apollo Crews and, well, shell of a man, Baron Corbin. They were a tag team 
versus Big E and Shinsuke Nakamura. I can't do a good impression of that dude. He's got a wonderful introduction. But the point is, tag team match started off the night. Okay. And you had Nakamura and Big E winning the match. Bailey cut a promo, and you know what? She looks more comfortable, so I'll give her that. Then Bianca Belair interrupted her and said, I challenge you to an I quit match. What hell of a mind fuck. I love it. Jimmy Oso meets with Paul Heyman and says, I know what app Roman gets here. It's like deja vu all over again. Okay, let me see here. I don't know if the officials are going to make it official. But the match between Bailey and Bianca Belair at Money in the Bank with the SmackDown Women's Championship on the line should be interesting. But, you know, they got to give Bianca a little bit of a title reign, in my opinion. Very talented, both of them. Very, very talented. So, moving on. So, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, you are my humble opinion on the last man standing match. Wow. Kind of a very good, very good building match for tonight's main event purposes. So, we beat him in the last man standing match. I just thought it was very good. So, Edge, brutalized Jimmy Uso. Oh, my goodness. So that was the last part of my note. So uh, Liv Morgan beats Lena Vega. So wait, wasn't she on AEW though? I'm confused. Is she trying to pull a Pillman? God rest your soul. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. So WWE brought her back for what purpose? One night stand only type thing. Good lord. Okay, so Seth Rollins argued with WWE officials over Edge receiving a little a title shot. Right. Otis beat Angelo versus you know via pinfall. Okay. Oh please don't do this. Do you really want me to go over this? No, I mean, I'm dead serious. So, so far, main roster presented you a decent showing. And I'm not going to leave too little to the imagination what's going on, okay? You get what you get. Especially when watching SmackDown, Raw, or NXT. So, yeah, and Edge brutalized Jimmy Uso. There. Voila. Now, before my co-host gets on here. Oh, my goodness. See, that was the effect of SmackDown Live. No. 
So how's the effect of trying to recall WWE Raw and also rehashing NXT? Not bad shows, just need some improvement. That's what I'm constantly saying, man. Not trying to be nitpicky here, but my goodness. WWE is doing their best to assimilate, or not assimilate, they're trying to get a general idea of what an, of what an audience will feel like. Oh my. Two words I use a lot. Um, after, you know, tonight's show, it wasn't bad. Bailey's getting more confident with her promo she's been having. She's been exuding a lot of confidence in her promos. Um, also, my overall synopsis, you want the equivalent of Savage Steamboat, you won't get it, but I feel that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, sorry, trying to walk around to wake myself up, they did one hell of a job. They did one hell of a job during the last man standing match. It was brutal. Is that the description that one review gave it? Of course it was brutal because it's supposed to be a last man standing match. It was a qualifying match for the men's money in the bank, and Kevin Owens just changed the dynamic of the men's match. So I don't know if it sold out, man. I didn't think that far ahead. No, I seriously didn't. <clears throat> oh, you want to know how I know it's going to be a good show? When you have guys like Kevin Owens, Drew McIntyre, a blend of old NXT meets new NXT, the only element missing is Samoa Joe, I'd say, if you're asking, what are you asking? Uh, well, it's up to you. You're the one going to the show, not me. So have fun, man, for all of us at Wrestle Radio Network. If you have any questions, what was your name again? Evan. Okay. Evan, where are you from? Brisbane, Australia. Wow. Thanks for listening to our show, man. That's pretty awesome. Who are you waiting on? Oh, okay, cool. Who's your favorite? Rhea? You like Rhea? Who else? Wow, that's kind of a... (laughs) You like Zach Gibson? Me too. I like him too. He's pretty good. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure, dude. Um... No. I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't... You know... No. By all means... Well, if you have any questions, Wrestle underscore radio, Wrestle Radio Network forward slash Facebook dot com. 
again, Pizza Simpson will be joining us shortly here in about whenever. <laughs> oh, no, dude, I'm serious. When it comes to all three brands from WWE, it, you know, the title, are you asking about the title? Oh, I usually get into that shit during Off the Rails and having a lot of help revamping it. So what I believe is happening, this is just my theory, okay? Main roster is trying to bulk up with names, new names. And when that happens, usually, sometimes roles get reversed. But now that WWE has audience, I wonder I wonder you know what each each set of results that I just read I'm starting to feel like there's a pattern here okay every time somebody gets big in NXT they get called up to Maine so the big in that gets called up right currently would be Bronson Reed if I'm not mistaken, from every single report that's going around the rumor mill. Also, could Karrion Cross be joining the fray? Because not a lot of people like him as a champion. Some people do, some people don't. Tomato, tomato, neither here nor there. But really, seriously, the question remains. Are the roles being reversed from WWE Maine to WWE NXT? Because it used to be the other way around. NXT, when it was running at full sale... Have the undying question Can it be stopped Can it be regulated Mm -hmm. Yeah I guess I can answer that question Real quick WWE main roster But the shows that they've been putting on Have really shown that An influx of guys from NXT The black and gold brand has kind of helped improve it, not really, when you look at ratings. But for me, I think quality is steadily improving just a little bit, maybe not entirely. When I saw on Raw, look, I looked, I saw some signs of life. MVP helps elevate the shit tenfold. So, the feud between him and Kofi Kingston elevated when they took out Xavier Woods inside of Hell in a Cell. Also, if I was to observe and report on what's going on currently in WWE versus what's going on in AEW, which... There are certain things, not just a little oopsie. 
by Jim Ross, which I will definitely be covering later, maybe never. Look, about that, I'll go over it later. I'm not going to go over it now. Man, killing time's killing me. Found my glasses, thank God. So, what did I think overall of WWE Raw? Again, there are those who nitpick. I am one of them. When I saw WWE Raw, I said to myself, okay, one of the matches that <clears throat> caught my attention is probably Asuka. And why she's losing, I don't know. Because debuting someone back that's been out and they come back and beat someone bigger than her, you don't want to make someone debut and lose. I get it. But now, Asuka is jobbing. Again, the people who suck I mean, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, me looking back at watching that match, not even paying attention, with Eva Marie, her abandoning her in mid-match, oh, goodness, you want to talk about a clusterfuck, that match is not considered a clusterfuck, that there's a clusterfuck going on in my head about that, Why? Because Asuka should literally obliterate people like her. And with the tag team partner that she had, it's like, okay. And the six-woman tag. What the fuck? Why does everything have to be six people? Can someone explain that to me about WWE? Okay. I would like to know. I mean, the whole free world would love to know. Oh. I'm not going to spend my time over analyzing one match with Asuka. I've already done that shit more than once. All I'm going to leave it as WWE Raw has been improving. It just needs an audience to give it the honest fucking feel. Same thing with NXT. They have a live audience now. At their level, they just need an influx of new faces instead of the same sticks that are carrying it. Adam Cole... Kyle O'Reilly, was it once upon a time, Bronson Reed, um, Cameron Grimes, L.A. Knight, Johnny Gargano, Jerry, this goes on. Down. Very proud of you. The product is not stale on the blue brand. Also, if a match is glorified, not glorified, but labeled as very brutal, have you guys not seen Deathmatch Wrestling? Have you guys not seen Hardcore Wrestling, which used to be WWE on the offhand chance that things were, um, how do I put this? On the offhand chance that things would get too out of control, there'd be a disclaimer saying, please do not try this at home. Mm-hmm. So, let's see here. Overall assessment on all three brands. Do you really want me to say it, dude? 
Uh, okay. If you wish. Off the rails isn't for a bit. However long, so. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's assess something that I've already assessed. In words that I must describe, WWE Raw, WWE SmackDown, oh, and, or Friday Night SmackDown, and, and WWE NXT. Awesome, and, and, why? I'm flailing in the wind. Yes, I'm flailing in the wind. For fuck's sakes, dude, I don't want to give away all my best rants before off the rails. I'm being serious. You know, it's like giving away the whole movie before it even comes out. Mm-hmm. Good enough, right? I told you how I felt about all three brands. And yes, it's WWE exclusive. Kind of fell asleep watching AEW, but that's a different story for a different day. Ladies and gentlemen, I told you he would join us eventually. And I mean that in the most sincerest compliment because this guy is the loyalist, most loyal co-host I have ever acquired. And I've had, you know, I can count on fingers, but that, yeah, let me get to the point. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to a very special Off the Rails Uncensored slash Radio Network. That's Radio Network. Friday, doesn't feel like Friday. I get to the fucking point. Pizza Simpson, welcome, sir. What's up, buddy? It's your boy, Pizza Simpson. I am here. <coughs> Thank you, Jesus. I was running around in circles, dude. I'm here, brother. I am so sorry I missed SmackDown. I honestly dozed off myself. I was doing some chores around the house, and uh, one thing led to another, and I woke up way too late. But I'm here. I got a slice of pizza hot and ready for you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Sorry, I don't go religious on this show ever. I promise you. Um, wait, so I already briefly went around in circles with all three brands, Raw, SmackDown Live, and NXT. I didn't go over – I did not sugarcoat shit like normal, but I did go over all three. So, let's see here. Okay. What's on the agenda? How was SmackDown? Actually? Um, it actually wasn't bad. I think, yeah, not I think. Uh, the last man standing match with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn was really good. If if several sites were saying it was brutal, then it did its job. I really feel like those two dudes can have a good match in their sleep. And that this is just going to be another chapter in that story. They're almost like 
Ric Flair and Sting at this point where they could just do it in their dreams. Like, like yeah. <laughs> I did mention this equivalent. I don't think it'll reach this level, but these two are very good at telling the story. I did say it may not have been main event, but boy, it felt like Steamboat Savage. I don't understand why that couldn't have been the main event. Like, that's a long-standing rivalry, but I'm assuming the main event revolved around something in uh, between Edge and, and uh, Roman, correct? Oh, yes. It did involve I, uh, Edge brutalizing... Oh, go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. It did involve Edge brutalizing Jimmy Uso, which I, I just was like... Uh, okay, I get it. Give Roman the night off. Whatever. Um, you know, I really like this. I, I, I like Edge coming back, showing that freaking mean streak and taking out the right hand man. Um, this, this really just adds a lot of fire for, for this ultimate SmackDown, I mean, this ultimate showdown that's going to take place at uh, SummerSlam. I do believe it's a good thing that they did this because I'm always, I, I've liked Raw before in the past, but I really like how SmackDown Live prolongs, you know, a few, not prolongs you, but prolongs a confrontation or a match. I love how they space it out. SmackDown is written well. I will say that SmackDown stories are are its strong suit. Whereas I feel Raw is just uh, you know quick little things to just keep, you know just to sell a product. Whereas like SmackDown, I feel SmackDown does look look at long form long term story. And I honestly am really looking forward to Edge versus Roman Reigns. Roman has been super hot right now, and he's been producing a lot of great matches. And I feel like, personally, I love how they've spaced out Edge's appearances where I'm not getting sick of him because every time he comes back, I'm like, holy shit, fuck yeah. I like it when Edge, re- like, okay, most people are like, Edge is an asshole. I know, well, you know, look. There are times that Edge will make you love him, hate him, but when he showed back up at Royal Rumble, I think that was basically my like wow moment, like wow he's really here because I I've heard I had heard rumors before that show. Not to get totally off topic, but when Edge is back, it doesn't matter what time frame it is, whether it's 2009. 2018, whatever. Whenever his music hits, dude, it's something special. And yeah, he's the only one that, at WrestleMania 37, gave Roman a fucking fight for his life. So even if he doesn't win the championship, which we, I might pleasantly be surprised. I don't know what they're discussing to do. But when they go inside that arena in Fort Worth for Money in the Bank, it's going to be a good match, even though Edge won't win. I mean, I already feel that he won't win because they're trying to prolong Roman's uh, championship reign, which whatever at this point, I don't mind Roman being. So I really do not mind Roman being the ultimate prick. 
right now. Why? Because for years, people had bitched about him not being fucking healed. So, long story short, I is happy that Edge beat the ever-living fuck out of Jimmy Uso because it sets the fucking stage for a nice little feud. Yeah, it's going really good. It's going really good. And when Edge came, I mean, when Edge came out, it, it really just made me feel like a kid. I don't know. Every time he comes back, I just feel like this is why I like wrestling. You know, this is why I like this. This is the moment. These are the moments that we freaking live for. You know, it's awesome. I I personally feel the same because like whether it's him. Oh oh, you know what? Uh, there's some big news, dude. I I caught my this caught my attention. Zelina Vega's back. I saw that. I was like, I'm confused. Is she pulling a Brian Pillman? <laughs> In what way? Uh, because okay, Andrade T. And okay, so this is cross-linking two companies. Andrade T. Zelina Vega coming back for AEW. And now she's with WWE again, which they're, you know, they had said, well, she can't come back because she had an OnlyFans account. But now she shows up and, you know, Liv Morgan and her were arguing in the back saying, oh, you want your return to be special, so why don't you prove it? So Zelina and her had a match for the qualifying match for Women's Money in the Bank. And it was a good, I don't know if you qualify as a good match, but way better than uh, Raw's rendition of Eva Marie and whomever the fuck versus Asuka. So I wanted to mention that. Speaking of women's matches, I'm going to flip reversal and go back to Raw just for a tidbit. The match that I really didn't want to pay attention to but had to because caught my attention. So I happened to flip on Raw and I, I see that Oscar loses to none other than Eva Marie and her, and I'm going to refer to her as this because I have no clue who she is. Because there's so many new faces on Raw, I'm just, I don't feel the necessary, okay, fine, You're pulling my leg. Let's be organized, shall we? I can read through my notes. I got her. I got. Are you talking about the uh, larger woman that she's bringing with her? That's a Dewdrop. That's her new name on Raw, where she where she was once known as. Uh, she was also known as Piper Nevins, Piper Pe- Piper something, oh my God. and she. Yes. And Viper. She was called Viper in Scotland. She's actually a pretty solid wrestler and had some. Uh, pretty awesome matches against Kaylee Ray and she challenged for the stardom title when Io Shirai was there so it's a little embarrassing to see her reduced to that because she's definitely a, worth a lot more than just a Bertha Faye knockoff what do you think brother I, I'm not mad at her but the fact that Oscar's jobbing again it really makes me wonder Old man, please hear me out. Please hear us out. I, I respect you as a innovator of business, and I respect you as the owner of the company. 
And I know that you have the final say and know that you're not the only one around doing this shit. But to have Oscar job to someone who absolutely can incite a riot in her own heads, Eva Marie, she sucks balls. I am not sorry for saying that. I really want to say, learn to run the rope, sweetie. Learn to do certain things properly because you still are not getting the fundamentals down. It irks me because I I feel that Asuka should just switch rosters and she would be much happier. Because what is the point of having a superstar the level of her who was undefeated in NXT until she got hurt versus Ember Moon and she had to relinquish the championship, whatever. But to me, that match, it it may not be a mainframe match, but that women's match on Raw, why? I I think, like, coming from the uh, company's perspective, it's just, I feel that they they feel they might have kept Asuka strong, so a uh, a moment where she loses can garner a bunch of heat because she rarely ever does. I believe she's lost four times maybe in her entire run, so maybe they just feel like, what's the big deal? But I do agree, maybe use somebody else instead of using Asuka to lose. It just irks me because I know that, you know, you can't level a superstar um, to lose all the time, but it feels like lately she's been jobbing to Rhea Ripley, to Charlotte Flair again. Charlotte Flair and her never continued their feud after WrestleMania. I was not mad at that, you know, I guess I was mad because I was there, but I am angry because of all selections they choose, they choose the Bimbet. The red, fake, red-haired, crimson piece of, sorry, but I cannot justify a sanction loss against someone who can't barely work her way out of a paper bag. <laughs> and everyone knows, like, dude, I I cannot. Comparing, I would rather have the match between Zelina Vega and Liv Morgan because Liv Morgan can actually fucking work. And on Sokin Zelina Vega, it just depends on where you put her. But I, that's true. Absolutely, I, I think if I'm comparing and contrasting both brands when it comes to women's matches, okay, women's matches get criticized no matter what because you have pervs who like them for different reasons, and then you have the fans who actually give two shits about the women's wrestling. I am one of those. I am the guy who gives two shits about the women's wrestling matches because, one, I would like to be told a story, whether it's a woman or a man, in that ring, and I feel strongly about it. I'm not going to go too into it because I feel that's not the purpose of tonight's show. So to wrap that up, to wrap this up, I'm going to say the following. Dear... Creatives task on wrongs. I know you're the same fuckers that do SmackDown, Friday Night SmackDown. Why and what the fuck are you doing to Asuka? Because, I mean, you partnered her with Kyrie Sane. 
than Kyrie Sane left because she knew the bullshit that was going on. No, she she went left to home family. Long story short, quit fucking around and give Oscar an actual opponent to lose to, with respect. You know, sincerely, you're good, pal, Brian Rose. I know you don't listen. I don't give a fuck. Because I'm going to say the following that CM Punk said. WWE is complete trash now. And it shows because if you're going to a live audience, you're going to Madison Square Garden where I'm from. You're going to New York. Please understand that we will boo the fuck out of you and you cannot censor us. You cannot. New York is uncensorable no matter what you try. Okay? So fair warning. If you go there for SmackDown Live and pull the same shit that you are doing now on live TV, just to fair warn you, if you give the quality of show that you give tonight, great. But Raw, if you go to if you go to Madison Square Garden now, I don't know. My a few friends of my uh, pizza have told me they like it, but they feel that there could be improvements. So. I will bring it home by saying I'm going to take it down a notch and move forward with the show before I go completely off tangent. <laughs> it's okay, brother. I'm sorry, folks. It's just watching WWE has become a chore, and it's not a wanted chore. It's a, okay, I guess I can report this on my show. I'm just being dead honest with you all. I'm sick and tired of, like, reading results like a robot and going, okay, I, you know, let's be, let's be real with this show, okay? Because that's the, that's the purpose of Off the Rails and Censored is to report, but not only report, but be outwardly honest in a respectful way. Nice. Okay. So... We are going to go on, since I already went over most of the segments, so I apologize to Pizza. It is, you know, that time where we are going to get you ready for Slice of Heaven. No, we are getting ready to get ready to get braced yourselves, folks, because the opinions of this segment are not actual reflections on the companies involved, WWE, GCW, ICW, NWA, AEWA, Impact Wrestling. So, therefore, the opinions are a reflection of what we view as matter of statements or opinions and in no way are actual statements or reflections permitted by the company. So, if you have any problems or if you are offended... As a good friend of mine says, just listen. All right, just shut up and listen. And if you don't like it, you can call on the show. Tell us how you feel. Slice of pizza. Get ready to join the madness.
Big weekend of bloody independent wrestling last week, folks. Let's get right into it. I'm going to go straight into Matt Tremont's H2O death anniversary. That is the sixth anniversary for Matt's company. Good for him. The story going into this is a H2O versus 440 rivalry and... Right now, the 440 faction led by Ricky Shane Page stands a huge chance to take all the titles because all of H2O's titles are on are on the line and in play. The show kicks off with Kennedy Copeland, who's coming out and laying out her open challenge, and is picked up by none other than Nolan Edwards, who is Nolan Edwards, who's had a long and busy weekend because I believe. This was match three for him that weekend. This was a wild, wild, wild affair that was technical and back to back and forth. And I have to tell you that Kennedy Copeland is tough as shit. This match ended with Nolan picking up the win with a curb stomp and then picking up and then um, basically putting Kennedy over on the mic. She's she's really tough. I enjoyed that match. Next up was the hybrid championship where Mouse Mouse loses the title to 440's Greg Iron after interference from Bam Sullivan. Bam which led Bam Sullivan to stay in the ring and basically talk shit until Declan Grant who cleared the ring with a giant machete. Yes. He had a machete. Declan picks up the win after a TKO. So far, this uh, this this show was um, a, a little a little slow for me, but this this show was was definitely about move, pushing along long storylines, which I appreciate because blood for the sake of blood can be kind of boring. So um, Jimmy Lyon is up next, and he kind of has homeless Jimmy vibes. And his whole thing is he likes to drink a bottle of Mad Dog 2020 on his way to the ring and sometimes um, while waiting for his opponent. Then he's taking on G. Raver, who's who's taking the place of Alex Colon. I uh, was hoping to see Alex Colon, but G. Raver, I know, even though he's a big dumb dork, he is definitely going to bleed in some capacity. This This was nuts, my friend. I really gotta like really hammer that home. Um, they they kill a ball of Mad Dog twenty twenty before <laughs> before the match takes place and G Raver hits a gigantic tope con hilo and lands on his fucking head and then staples balloons to Jimmy's to Jimmy Lyons' head. And I want to try to explain the spot because this was so fucking dangerous. I thought I, I thought G Raver, the one administering the move, was gonna fall on his head. Okay, so Jimmy was laying across. Jimmy Lyon was laying across the top rope, facing down. So G Raver tries to scale the the ring, the turnbuckles, so he could be standing there with him. And he, Draver falls a co- almost falls a couple of times in the pro- the. I'm I'm so glad he pulls this off, but he was trying to do a back to back senton where he was trying to smash a a, a a light tube in between them, and somehow he lands this move and 
<laughs> he doesn't fall on his head. So the finish actually came from <laughs> this was also a ridiculous spot. Oh good God. <laughs> they set they they set a shopping cart on three folding chairs and then put a, a hood of a, a hood of a car on the on the shopping cart just in case there wasn't enough metal there. <laughs> just in case there wasn't enough metal enough metal there. And this ends with Jimmy Lyons hitting a crossroads on G Raver, but the move was fucking so gross and so like they, he didn't pull it off, so basically they just jumped into the metal head first. So that was the finish. That was the finish. No, I'm sorry. The finish was actually a DDT onto a box fan, and that's got to suck because it's really hot right now, and I'm sure someone could have used that. This is this is a uh, you know this was being this was saved by this show was saved by that blood because it was actually pretty slow. Eric Ryan and Eric Ryan and Bobby Beverly attack line after the match, which brings out the tag team champions, Ross and Brady, but they they end up losing the titles to H2O after a double sheer drop brain buster. That, that this match was uh, this match was okay, but again, I thought you know for something called death anniversary, I kind of wanted to see more blood. Next up was Mitch Vallon and Gigi Everson. That was definitely the popcorn match. Mitch, Mitch picks up the win after a choke bomb. I ended up having to take a break because, again, I had to, you know, I had some things to do. But um, the the main event was Ricky Shane Payne. Oh, I'm skipped over a match. My fault. Atticus Kolgar uh, takes the Danny Havoc Hardcore Title from Jeff Cannonball. So far. So far, 440 has all the H2O titles, and in the main event, in the main event, Ricky Shane Page defeats the in-house monster Chuck Payne after a, a Death Valley driver. H2O officially has all the titles, and Matt Tremont is losing all is losing his all of his mind and all of his marbles at this site. So, excuse me. The next challenger, the next challenger for Ricky Shane Page's title is going to be G Raver in a coffin match at I believe the wrestling show is called Hustle Palooza, which you can catch on Fight TV. So I'm, I'm going to say, as I said, I, I was expecting a little bit more blood, but I really enjoyed the story of what's going on, and I am looking forward to seeing what's next on this show. Excuse me. That was an excellent. That was an excellent main event. Stiff as a board, but I thought there would have been a little bit more violence. I got a little bit more of action for you. ICW was running that weekend as well, and that first we had Tony. We had Tony. Um, we had Akira beating. I'm sorry, I skipped over the title. ICW in the pit, which is death matches in the pit, and what this was was. What this was was um, guardrail set up on the set up on the beach. We saw Akira beating Tony Deppin. We also saw Dale Patrick defeating Ace Perry with a pile driver on barbed wire. 
Justin Kyle beat up two guys, and he ended up uh, power bombing a, a very small man on barbed wire. A lot of barbed wire and sand on this show. I would hate to get Jersey Shore sand on my uh, sand in my wounds. We saw Neil Diamond Cutter defeating Herzog, which was absolutely bananas because, let me tell you, the much smaller Neil Diamond Cutter took an absolute thrashing. Excuse me. Reed Bentley was up next. He defeated Kevin Giza. All balls Kevin Giza was making his ICW debut redefeated him with a pile driver on a door that was dipped in cans or that had cans all over it. That was fucking nuts. John Wayne Murdoch, the American Deathmatch champion, defeated Satu Jin. <coughs> Excuse me, in the main main event of that. Um, a little bit more independent action, my, 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 my bad, my friends. I just got a lot to report. I watched a lot of indie action. And this, my, my, let me tell you, Brian, this was probably one of the best shows I've seen in a long time. ICW No Holds Barred 13, Akira versus Homicide was your opener. And Akira defeated Homicide did a great, great match. He defeated him with a backslide. Think about that, a backslide and a death match. And I feel that Homicide in this stage of his career is just taking these young guys and giving them good matches and putting them over and making them look real fucking good. Another name that uh, I've already said, Dale Patrick's the, uh, it was taking on Neil Diamond Cutter, and he, he uh, Neil wins with a Neil wins with some kind of move through freaking light tubes. He, let me tell you, my friend, he had a fucking wild weekend. Casanova Valentine versus Tank was up next, and Tank somehow wins. This was just this was just two big fucks beating each other up, and. In, in one of the best matches I've seen in a long time, Brandon Kirk and his wife, Casey Kirk, defeats Alex Ocean and Danny Demento in just a wild, wild match. Um, um, earlier, in the, earlier in the day, Casey Kirk wins the – Casey Kirk wins the – um, sorry, the Cannabis Cup, the the theme of the weekend was weed, so there was a nice little all-ladies tournament where she won a fantastic tournament over Masha Slamovich. This ended up, this was wild. Casey was bleeding right away as she took a gusset plate in the head, then a bunch of lemon and salt. But Casey was no bitch on this match, and she ended up returning the favor by driving the gusset plate into Alex's head, and hits the hits uh, hits him with lemon lemon uh, lemons and salt, and then um there was an electric chair backstabber that was fucking wild. The um, Alex Ocean fell through a bunch of fucking glass. There was a cloud of light tube dust in the air. It looked like wild. It looked like a fog. This match ended when Casey when Casey hits Alex Ocean with a spear through uh, the barbed wire table, and then Alex ate a curb stomp through the tubes. Of the of all the matches I watched this weekend, this by far that weekend that by far was the best match up until that point. 
And <laughs> I've said these names already. This show's not over, my friend. I'm sorry I've gone long, but this was just a fantastic fucking show. Nolan Edwards versus Reed Bentley. Reed Bentley, my friend, is one of the fucking unsung heroes of Deathmatch Wrestling right now. And to be honest, he can do it all. I think he can do more than just bleed. This was fucking incredible. Another just stiff wildfire. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped over. I said I didn't say his name. Nolan Edwards, who fought pretty much on every show this weekend. So I believe there was five shows that weekend. So good for good for him. This was an insane fight. Tons of glass. Um, Reed Bentley picks up the win with after. And he hits Nolan with a Tiger Driver onto glass. I'm sorry, the Tiger Driver 98, which was the double underhook pile driver. More more insanity when Slack took on Psychosis 2. Tons of glass in that one. Where um, This ended up where Schlag picks up the win with the Ganso Bomb, and in the main event, as I told you, I thought that I thought the Kirks versus Alex Ocean was the Kirks versus Alex Ocean and Danny Demento was the best match of the night, but by far this was the best match I've seen of the night. John Wayne Murdoch, another name who's pretty much had a match on every show this weekend, he took on Mexican sensation La Reina Extrema, Sadika, this was a wild fucking fight, my friend. There was fight. They were fighting in the crowd. They were busting each other in the head with light tubes right away, right away. This easily could have gotten an, a, a fan injured. There was a wild spot where Sadika gave John Wayne a John Wayne a like neck breaker from a table onto another table that was covered in in, in broken uh, uh, pop cans. Fucking nasty, my guy. Fucking nasty. The John Wayne picks up the win when he goes for Sadika's mask to create an opening so he can stab her in the head with um, glass tubes, um, Abdullah the Butcher style. The so that was the main event of that. I didn't get to watch the other. I didn't get to watch the other um, in the pit show, but that was a, that was main evented by a successful defense of the American Deathmatch title as John Wayne Murdoch defeated Akira. Also during that weekend, MMA sensation Justin Kyle challenged John Wayne Murdoch to a match. To a match for the the death match title during their during their shows in Indianapolis on the ninth. So that's gonna wrap up my ICW talk. What a fucking wild weekend! But I just want to highlight one thing. I just watched a fantastic match last night. I really really want to say I want to give props to Wheeler Utah, Wheeler Utah, and Willow Nightingale. This was. By far the best intergender match that I've ever seen. Uh, Willow Nightingale, she just has this bubbly personality, but under that bubbly personality, she is a fierce, fierce and tough, strong woman and a tough fighter. She ended up losing. She ended up losing in a in a heartbreaker to Wheeler Yuta, who kept his IWTV championship at Beyond Beyond Wrestling's Master Class. So that is a slice of pizza with 
that's a, let me do it again. And that's going to wrap up a slice of pizza, folks. I am Pizza Simpson. That was a slice of pizza. Thank you. Dude, at least you saw good wrestling is all I can tell you because I did, you know, like I said, I, because of work and constraints, I still managed to find time to make time, right? There's a difference, you know? And I started watching some of Impact, I got to say, and, uh, you know, your observations that I miss matches that involve blood and I little tend to gig in. It's called Deathmatch Wrestling, folks. I've experienced, um, well, watching, and I'm not, I won't go into too much detail of myself, but I will tell you there's a certain flavor to to finding uh, whatever it is you like. And Pizza's is Deathmatch Wrestling. He has a certain uh, acquired taste for it. I myself and like well let me let me i don't mean to cut you off my friend but let me just elaborate on that it's not necessarily just because it's not necessarily that i just solely like deathmatch wrestling i i like all i pretty much try to like all spectrums of wrestling i just feel right now as with aew wwe nxt Impact, Ring of Honor, I feel since all those places are, since all those places have TV, I don't consider them, I mean, I don't consider Ring of Honor indies, I, you know, I feel that all those feds cherry pick the indies right now, and I don't feel that there's these strong independence like there was in the mid-2000s, I feel what's strong right now are these deathmatch companies whose taking this opportunity and really showing showing a, a, a different side and showing that this shit can be done well. And as much as I would like to watch regular wrestling, I just find myself watching more deathmatch wrestling. I, um, I, you know, I watched that Beyond Wrestling show last night, and I completely enjoyed it, and I didn't, although I didn't get to see it in full, I didn't just, you know, just have all this lust for blood in my mind. I was, believe me, I was very, very happy with the, the, champ, the uh, championship match between Wheeler and Willow. I just think that there's just a new crop of deathmatch guys that are out here and they're killing it every fucking weekend. You know, John Wayne Murdoch, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, um, Tank, Reed Bentley, all these guys wrestled three, four, five times that weekend and fucking stole the show every single time. You know, it, it's, it's hot right now. And that's what I'm going to bring you. That's exactly what I like to hear. And I just went off the rails a little bit. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. I see. I rub it off on my partner in crime here. It's great, isn't it? And, <laughs> we both didn't piss on this establishment, now didn't we? All right. No, <laughs> we... we are just trying to convey different forms of professional wrestling. And uh, speaking of which, now, folks, before 
But I do mean before I go off tangent, go in circles with rants, not total in circles, but, you know, they do have an end to them, and it justifies the means, in my opinion. <laughs> so, uh, you want something different, do you? But, I mean, I think some people may or may not have come across the fact that uh, it's best to, I don't know, put this, da 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 Okay. We're going to do a little something different. Uh, the story around the world of wrestling cannot just revolve around uh, reading results, stating opinions, giving out facts that most marks, marks, and everyone else knows. So, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you all to a new thing called a hot take. And I will have music involved for this segment, all right? So, around the horn real quick because we're going to give you three minutes of nothing but crammed in wrestling news, shall we? So, let's get down to the degree. Let's get gossipy. Let's get all little, you know, schoolgirl in shorts and, and skirts type, you know, gossip, gossip, you know, talk the talk, walk the walk. Okay, I'll just get to the fucking point. So... In three minutes' time, gotta time myself. Okay, so at 19, at the end of 19, right? Jim Cornette and Chris Jericho have gotten into it several times. They used to be chummy chum chums in Smoky Mountain Pro, but lately, in this set of news, Jim Cornette called out Jericho for being, well, making sexist remarks about referring to, you know. Women as chicks As a sexist remark He specifically said There's a couple of chicks in WWE Who said some stuff And they should probably not have said that They probably weren't trained any better And in six months They'll probably be asking us for a job anyways I don't fucking think so But okay Chelsea Blackheart and others from WWE Threw a bit of shade at the conclusion Of the Blood and Guts match and she had been one of the chicks, or she could have been one of the chicks that Jericho was talking about. When Jim Cornette heard the champion's retort, he had to interject his own two pieces. So, said, looks like somebody's grumpy about criticism again. Isn't that chicks in WWE a sexist remark? Some people watch for those things, you know. So, okay, Jericho had referred to, you know, chicks because he got frustrated when WWE is literally kind of flailing around and flopping around like a fish out of water, but that's besides the point. Moving on, moving further, there are some new faces from overseas in WWE. I cannot pronounce their names, but they are of the Japanese flavor. They were from the tryouts in 2019 at the the Performance Center, but at well, you get it. There's going to be new faces from NXT Japan. Also, Jim Ross. I love you, buddy, but I hate to do this to you. Actually, no, I, I'm going to see if I can find it. Huh? Go to the next subject. Go. Ah, oh. oh, fine. Okay. Not only was there fallacy, but... The ratings have steadily declined 
AEW is moving out of Jacksonville and going back to their city tours as well. That ends. Uh, That ends it, folks. I will be more organized with this. It was three minutes. Keep going. Keep going. Fine. (laughs) So, live on an AEW show, Dynamite. Jim Ross was saying. The American doesn't hit better, but AEW Dynamite. No, he said WWE. He said WWE. I already mentioned that. Uh, let's see here. Oh, yes. Vince McMahon has decided to fire 60 more employees, which hit the entertainment portion of WWE's. Actually, it hit the production point. Firing 60 employees or more has affected WWE's market production portion of their company. So they're bringing in fresh new faces, do the 25 city tour, and budget cuts, and all this. Um, there. Keep going. There. You want me to keep going? Do you? Keep okay. going. Ratings have steadily declined, not only to 419,000, but it declined another 100,000 on AEW Dynamite this past week between AEW and WWE. The demographics from 18 to 49 have and are steadily decreasing and steadily increasing on one end of the spectrum. That is WWE. It has declined another 10%, bringing it down to 32%. What else? Oh, Mercedes Martinez is completing concussion protocol. Also, me, Yim, has updated the status of Keith Lee as a healthy return. Just needing to take a mental break from WWE. From WWE. Also, Karrion Cross and Bronson Reed also talks about being called up to main roster for the influx of new faces amongst WWE main roster. WWE is bringing their first live show, which will be Money in the Bank, their first live show since... Royal Rumble 2020 in Houston, Texas. It will be live at Fort Worth. If you not already have your tickets, you can go to various ticket other websites. So that includes TickPick, StubHub, SeatGeek. They're all back open. Third-party vendors, although do new, you know, new rules apply due to COVID, restrictions will apply for travel folks if you are traveling for this wrestling You're done. event. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good dry run. That was good. Yes, I need to improve. I feel like I... You know what? I think that was a fine dry run, and I think with a little practice, we're going to... I think that's fun. I think we got something there, buddy. Yes. All right. Okay. Let's work on We'll work on that, pal. I like that. You did good, though. <laughs> I'm going to do the next one next week. Oh, sweet. This is going to be great, dude. We're going to – we are actually, folks, have been discussing trading, um, trading stories that are going around professional wrestling. It is not just going to be sent around to companies, which I, I, I need to work on seriously. Um <laughs> but the following content has been growing, folks. The following content is not suitable for minors under the age of 18. If you do Here have minors under the age 
Yeah, yeah, and they are listening to this show. Please put earphones that you know can plug up their ears and blow out their eardrums because I guarantee you, I drop more f bombs than D Day. All right, so <laughs> the following content is, it contains several expletives not appropriate for minors under the age of eighteen. The opinions. And statements are controversial and do not have any reflections of the actual companies involved in the said opinion of one, the only Brian Rails. All right, so if you if you get to my drift, <clears throat> if anyone or off the rails uncensored is a trademark podcast, coin and phrase off the rails uncensored, March seven, two thousand sixteen. Off the Rails Uncensored does not reflect the opinions thereof of the following companies, WWE, AEW, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, so on and so forth. All right. So, fuck about fuckers. This is going to get good, all right? I promise you. Because uh, that's one thing I, I deliver is do my promises, okay? So... <clears throat> Buckle up, you're about to go through one hell of a mental ride. I promise you I will not go around in circles this time. I can dig it. trying to find a subject matter that mattered to me. And lately I've been noticing some kind of trend on social media between old NXT alum. And I, I've been, you know, it's funny because Finn Balor has had a brief stint on the main roster and Shinsuke Nakamura slowly but surely going up ranks because he's been he's waiting it out, being patient, uh, being observant, being the Nakamura that we used to know. Not even close. But there was a photo on Twitter between Finn Balor and Shinsuke Nakamura, and I'm just going to touch on this briefly. There's a picture of Finn Balor. He photoshopped his face over Shinsuke Nakamura's body. And if that isn't weird, some people are like, what does it mean? Well, I get, you know, hang on. What does it mean? It means that these two are just having fun. There's no hidden meaning between those two, but I do find it funny these two have always been the best of friends, even when they wrestled in Japan against one another. So does this mean that Nakamura and Finn Balor are going to work one another? I don't know, but you know what? 
we never really got to see these two go fully one-on-one. And I think when they have fans involved, it's going to be something special. Because um, if I'm not mistaken, look here. Samoa Joe came back. Sami Zayn, let's see here. Kevin Owens, Nakamura. I just had a thought because all these old NXT alums are interacting with another, and they always do. And it's not just social media, but look, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Nakamura, Finn, you know, Finn Balor. This is like a wrestling fan's wet dream come true. Even though it's a bit late, I don't give two fucks because I really have wanted to see old NXT alum interact with one another. Why? I'll get to that in just a bit. Because quality of matches are complete shit. When you put them with other people like uh, Cesaro and Seth Rollins, that's not a bad idea. Or, you know, Nakamura Balor. Or Zane Owens. Or Apollo Crews finally, you know, just being himself and just they allowing him to be himself. When you have, okay, so when you have NXT, old NXT, and new NXT, great, right? But old NXT interacting with one another, yes. I'm 100% behind it. Why? Because they know each other like the back of their hands, Okay. Let me just say this, okay, before I go off to another subject. I would love to see Finn Balor and Nakamura at WrestleMania. I would love to even more if the Good Brothers were to come back, which would take a miracle, and form the Bullet Club with AJ Styles. That would be a miraculous, you know, if things happened for WWE, if they would have just fucking capitalized on it when it was starting. But no, let's just have it, you know, be the OG club or not even close to the Bullet Club because, oh, it's copyrighted and -and so-and-so owns the rights to it. Who gives a fuck? Okay? Who gives a fuck? Now, I'm going to move on to another subject because I don't want to stay too long rocking around in circles on one subject. So, I touched base with this earlier. Are the roles being reversed? His main roster starting to come around full circle show-wise. Are they getting better? Are they getting worse? Um, is one show doing better than the other because of all the influx of new NXT, you know, former NXT alums? You've got Lena Vega coming back to SmackDown Live. You have Bianca Belair. Not just on the women's side of things, but you have men, too, coming up there. Bronson Reed, Matt... Okay, Bronson Reed's not official yet, but you have Matt Riddle, Damian Priest. Keith Lee might be coming back. You have all these men and women that, you know, have really made impact, whether they were on NXT UK or NXT going to be on main roster. So my question is, anyone listening, do you feel the same way I do? Because... SmackDown feels like an NXT show to me. It really does. 
It's loose. It's 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 more free to do shit. Um, NXT is start of they have flailed. They're starting to flail in the wind again. It's just one big chaos. Then it's like okay, if this shit's not working, if fans are bored, let's just bring chaos. Quit bringing the goddamn security guards that are future NXT superstars involved in this, please. I think it's great that they're getting you know them involved. But, uh, you know, there's the NXT breakout tournament. You know, they're bringing new faces. Have, you know, roles changed? Yes. Because I feel like I'm watching, I'm looking at this from a fan's perspective, right? If I'm looking at it from an actual fan's perspective, let me think. <clears throat> the black and gold brand consists of LA Knight, Cameron Grimes, Johnny Gargano, Karrion Cross. Uh, the main players I'm listing off. We get Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, MSK, which you know MSK has really proven themselves and done really good things so far. Um, as far as the tag team division goes, they really need to fucking expand that since we're just you know lifting the whole rules uh, outside of COVID, right? You know we're we're now getting an influx of a bigger roster because we have the breakout tournament coming for NXT. So I still feel, though, it's lagging because Dexter Loomis is not – he's supposed to be one of those guys that are supposed to be breaking out, you know, like – I hate to say his name, but like the Velveteen Dream or, you know, I don't hate to say this guy's name, Tommaso Ciampa, who's still there. They've given it new direction, but I still feel personally that the role has been reversed because – well, the old man is now poaching territory again. Except for he's poaching at his own brand. Well, maybe not his own brand, but the influx of new talent, the loss of talent from the NXT side, and then they're introducing new talent. So it's like, okay, I would like in my own head to stop psychoanalyzing this shit, but I just feel that NXT is not the same as it once was. And also, I'm going to be broadening broadening the subjects here. I'm going to stop on that one for now, and I'm going to transition to a third one, something that, you know, I haven't done in quite some time. But this is more in chronological fucking order, so bear with me, folks. Boy, you know, as much as AEW likes to admit that they don't have WWE on the mind, really, I'm going to point this out so that AEW's fan base doesn't get mad at me, even though they probably already are like, why are you dog- Why do you dog on AEW? Look, look here, okay? They've got talent. There's no doubt about it, because otherwise, if they didn't have talent, they wouldn't be on the map. And they wouldn't be beating NXT in ratings, even though NXT is on a completely different platform. Okay? So, here's the deal. When JR said the following. (laughs) I love mentioning this. Well, I've never had a better night, folks, but, you know, I'm in WWE Dynamite. Since when did WWE own an AEW certified product that is owned and copyrighted by not only Tony Khan, but 12 wrestlers who book for themselves? Literally. They book for themselves. 
And if they say they don't, they're full of shit. They don't have WWE on the mind, do you? So one announcer mentions them. You have plenty of wrestlers who mention them subtly and subtly jab them through promos. Miro, Jericho, MJF, uh, the Young Bucks. Instead of, you know, taking jabs at the company. So here's here's my thing. I just I feel that if you don't have a company on the mind, why do you mention them every single week? That's just my take on it, okay? If you're going to be a company that's separate, don't take jabs all the fucking time. AEW does it on a constant fucking basis, whether it's from a creative perspective, whether it's from a promo, or, or best yet... They are. <laughs> Love you to death, man. I really, truly do. But I'm going to play this soundbite because I care. And you knew this was coming. So here's... Am I going to pull up YouTube? Yes, I am going to pull up YouTube. I'm fucking... There it is. Aha. Aha. So, ladies and gentlemen, the following soundbite is not any reflection of how awesome Jim Ross truly is. I respect the man. He's the voice of WWE for years. Now he's the voice of AEW. He's also uh, talent relations. It doesn't fucking matter. He, he had one, one mess up. Hey, here we go. You heard it first. You heard it first. Who cares? He's an awesome dude. All I'm going to say is, dude, you know, mad respect to the man I met at uh, WrestleCon in New Orleans. And I met him again in New York. Jim Ross is someone I really can't diss because it's like, well, I guess I made a mistake and now I'm going to own up to it. You got to admire the man. Because he's worked for how many different companies in his lifetime? Since the 1970s. Man has worked for NWA, WCCW, WCW, UWF. Believe it or not, I did not realize he worked for that company. Holy shit. But that's besides the point. Everyone makes mistakes. But it seems like... JR ain't the only one with WWE on the brain because Renee Paquette mentioned it in her podcast, you know, how WWE talent relations handled couples who had, you know, significant others, you know, that were in AEW and the Iconics were interviewed and they said that, it, you know, they would ask how, Sean, you know, Sean Spears or whatever was doing, 
and they were nothing if not courteous, but it all depended on who handled the situation. So I'm not going to further delve into this other than I'm going to sum it up with, I'm going to sum this all up by saying AEW, God help us when you watch the company, okay? When you when you when you watch their show Dynamite, there are good points, there are bad points. It's not all bad. For Baker, mad talent in the ring. I'm, I'm not so certain of that outside the ring. They're like, what is? I'm not going to delve into that. To remain professional, but she does have skills. She keeps that women's division together. The elite. Yeah, like I said, from just from personal observation, man. When you fucking book for yourself, that is the cardinal sin as a worker, to book for yourself. Why? Because, oh, well, the fans won't like this, but, oh, the fans will like this. How the fuck do you know what we want? We could be picky bastards. And three, why is there more than one person that owns a share in that fucking company? Shouldn't it just be exclusive to, like, maybe... Two, three maximum, but oh no, AEW's got one, two, three, four, five, six. There's literally 12 to 14 fuckers that own a share in that fucking company. Is there something wrong with that as a business acumen? Yeah, because guess what happens when shit hits the fan and you go to live audiences that really, at this point, they're like, oh, I've been craving to see AEW. Really? You have? I'm not dissing them. I'm being fucking honest. If you look at their company, they are a revamped, saddened, trodden-down version of their old man's company, WCW. God love the roads. I respect them. But boy, when my partner and I have discussed this and said they put everything in reverse, instead of putting their marquee matches on pay-per-view... They put them on dynamite. That's just the honest feel on this company. And WWE on the mind, meaning like, okay, (laughs) if for every week that you come out that curtain and you think of the company that once molded you, then really you're you're missing the purpose of being in a separate company. Yes, they wronged you. Yes, they made you feel like you were walking on eggshells. But if you mentioned it on your podcast, you mentioned there's not just one person that has mentioned WWE as a whole company because you can't not mention a company that's been around for 100 plus years, ever since Vince's great-great-grandfather or whatever the fuck the case may be. But long story short, folks, they have the talent. They have the writers. They have the talent. They're just not putting forth effort into putting together an actual structured fucking show. It's so over the place. It's just like, um, how do I put this, man? They they seem like they're... Their main focus is relying upon the past to fuel their energy throughout their shows. Okay, I'm done with that. Enough negative energy, folks. Let's focus on something good. 
<coughs> Live audiences. That's going to be something. It'd be nice. It'd be nice like WrestleMania 37, right? So, it'll be booze. It'll be cheers. It'll be honesty. Something that's been lacking in the show. You have fill-in, can't heat. You have booze that are recorded. That's not an audience, you fucks. That is what you call canned heat and false advertising. Uh, you know, Pizza Simpson's been through um, that process. He's told me before. They told you what to boo, how to cheer. It's just like... It's just not right. But, you know, what can you do? When when they start going back to their 25-city tour, which starts in Fort Worth, and then in August they're going to Madison Square Garden, it's going to be a true test. It's going to be a test of, of will, you know. Can they put together a decent show for fans to appreciate? I'm, you know, at this point, although I'm saying all these things about you're going to get a dose of reality, I think really what it's going to be like is like fans are just going to be either one happy to see them, and two. They're just going to be how, how do I put this A live audience enhances the show Because then you get the authentic feel The organic feel for Someone's heat Their comeback, their shine They're not just those elements But you get the organic feel of We really like you or we really hate you I can't wait to hear reactions for certain superstars. Like, I know the crowd is either going to one, they're going to cheer Bailey, they're going to boo her. It doesn't fucking matter. It's a crowd. It's something that performers across the board live for. Bet you the entire roster across the board. They are clamoring to hear a crowd. You ask anybody, do you really want to hear a crowd? Do you, you know, do you want to hear an audience? You know what they're going to say? They're going to grab you by the shoulders and say, look you in the eyeballs and go, fuck yes. Or if they're religious, heck yes. It's been a while since they have been in front of people. Okay, outside of WrestleMania 37, it really hasn't been all that much different for a whole year and a half, almost two. Sorry, I had to put my phone on the fucking charger, but now I'm back. <clears throat> Live audiences make all the difference. AEW's had them, and yes, that has helped. Um, I, I still feel, though, that there there's going to be a major difference when everything goes back to transitioning into selling tickets 
setting up the merch stands. Just the smell of new T-shirts is going to make be so intoxicating for at least someone like me. Okay, because I have literally had to think. Okay, what's it going to be like for? <clears throat> what's it going to be like for fans that go into the arena and sit down and hear, you know, the following, you know, set for blah, 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 one fall. Not just the announcements, but the little disclaimer that comes on, the lights when they dim, any reproduction will be, you know, prosecuted to the full extent of the law. And then pyro and smell of nachos and beer and all the good shit that comes along with a live goddamn show. It's gonna come full circle, man. It's beaut it's not just WWE, I mean, there are other companies that are already having crowds, you know. And it it how do I put this? I know a lot of you get irritated when I say this, but I'm just gonna mention it briefly. As a former dude, a part of the other side of the curtain, when you hear the crowd, doesn't matter what level of wrestling you're on, or anything for that matter, what I'm going to tell you is the adrenaline rush from a crowd booing you or cheering you is unlike any other drug that you have ever been been around, okay? It's addictive. So to take that adrenaline rush away for a year... Yeah, it took effect on a lot of people. Because when you're heel, you're used to hearing fucking booze that are like, oh, we fucking hate you, oh, you suck. But when you hear can heat uh that bullshit you see at the or at the um at the Thunderdome Yikes You want organic that would sound like a bunch of background noise from people being on their phones or tablets. That wouldn't be worth it. So what they did was, according to my friend who's now on this show, they told them when to cheer. They told them when to boo. So it just felt like one big simulation that was not, you know, it's not fair to the fans. And they're like, well, now you get to be part of the show. That's great. It's not your guys' fault that it took eons to lift this shit, okay? But at the same token, having an audience is a, is a big deal. And I will leave it at that because if I'm going to talk in circles, that might get old. And my partner might start uh, snoring live on air. So... <laughs> Basically, to end this, uh, not the entire segment, but to to sum it all up, it was like watching a bad horror show from two perspectives, because one, you get to see it as an audience, what it's like firsthand not having anybody and not hearing it, so they, they added stuff because like, the wrestlers probably complained and said, hey, man, could you please add sound to this shit? We're not really, we're not really feeling it. 
because during our, it's really hard during our match, you know, especially calling a match with no fucking crowd. I I commend these men and women because that's extremely difficult, especially not just from one side of the spectrum. Imagine the referees. They have their their earpiece. They still are doing the same thing, and they're not hearing boos when they get knocked out or you know, getting heckled, you know, because they didn't turn around by the, you know, the the actual marks who believe everything is real. And that's cool because it's okay to get into this shit. It's okay to get riled up. It's okay to have a, or show emotion. But imagine, you know, not just the referees, but the production crew in general. How do you just set up for one fucking arena? Every single day or every single week. That's my, you know, just my personal feel on it. I think they're going to, I think the wrestlers are going to be very appreciative to go back on the road again and finally use their suitcases, not just go from their um, properties in Florida or wherever they come from or fly to. So, to sum it all up, man, audiences are key, so on and so forth. And. Yeah, <laughs> just I have 13 minutes left. Holy fuck! I actually wasted more time talking about three things. Um, so I'm gonna talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. Next week, Pizza Simpson and myself will be not only introducing you guys to new segments. But, my friend, I will discuss this with you not on air, but we will be reviewing a pay-per-view from the past, you know, and it could be ECW, it could be WWE, it could be WCW, it could be even even if we dare trot into the, the depths of hell. I mean, Smoky Mountain Pro. Um, I don't mind Cornette, he's actually one of my favorites, but... We will be reviewing it on live air, and we will be giving our personal opinion on the pay-per-view that we review. We'll be commentating live on it, so this will be kind of a different feel. And we want to know what you guys think. So if you want to message us, you can do so on Russell underscore radio or Russell Radio Network forward slash Facebook.com. We will take messages. We will kindly take your messages and gladly deal with them accordingly. Okay, and... You can message Pizza Simpson if you want on his personal Instagram. You can also message me through Twitter on at underscore Brian Rails five on Twitter. Okay. So lately, my dude, I have been watching, rewatching certain episodes, and I I can't explain why. Um, Dark Side of the Ring. The top episodes that I have rewatched. And I don't think I've watched these in a while, but um, Fabulous Mula was one that I, I've rewatched occasionally. Um, the other ones that I have uh, rewatched quite a bit, and we have a sad story, behind it, but it's a good ending, if you will. Um, I have to look up the title exactly, but it's the it's the one with. Uh, Oh, Out of Grizzly Shadow. Okay, so it's the story about Jake the Snake Roberts and his father and his family, which most people didn't know they had, which, you know, it's funny. My former co-host, 
that I didn't even realize he had two or three brothers and one sister. No one knows that. Okay. Um, becoming warrior. I, I have a story about the ultimate warrior. Oh, and the other episode I, I frequent, I don't know why, actually episodes. Brian Pillman, part one and part two, and cocaine and cowboy boots, the story about her bedrooms. I don't know why I frequent these episodes, folks. I can't explain it. I just, my mind wraps around a lot of shit, obviously. But watching these episodes makes me curious about interviewing these guys in the near future, and I'm being serious. Um, Evan Haney and what's his nuts? Um, oh, yeah. Speaking of Dark Side of the Ring, I'm pretty sure this dude listens to our episodes. I don't know if he does. Wild Thing Stevie Ray. Anyways, just throwing this out here. I really want to interview the producers of Dark Side of the Ring because it seems like two dudes who cut their teeth and worked really hard to um, make production for stories that no one would ever think to think, you know, produce. So my whole thing, my whole, wow, I made it four subjects, my bad. <clears throat> but to feel, I like the fact that they put stories that no one has ever heard, like gorgeous Gino Hernandez. And if, if if someone like the level of Jake Snake Roberts said, you know, he's a very good talker, and with a very good talker, if you have a big mouth, people are going to hate you because you look good, you, have, you can talk, you can wrestle. Um, examples of that, you know, like stories like that, and stories that are not just about wrestlers who died and the sad stories behind them. They interview different people who actually knew these people. So if you haven't already done so, folks, this is a cheap plug. You need to check out Vice and you need to watch Dark Side of the Ring. Why? Because I'm pretty sure you're missing out. And if you don't have the attention span to sit there for 45 minutes to an hour, it's okay. I don't have the attention span either, but for some reason when it comes to this shit... I'm glued, like a five-year-old, like a young kid watching Bob Ross, okay? That's how interesting this shit is. And to wrap things up, folks, if you want to download this episode, it is downloadable free on iTunes. I don't know why Blog Talk does not, uh, is simpatico with, uh, not Podbean, Spotify, not incompatible with Spotify, yes. But you can still download us for free on iTunes. You can share it with your friends. You can download it, repeat, you know, repeat the process. Share, download, repeat. You know, we are live on Fridays. We are also, well, I'm live on Wednesdays solo. And Pizza Simpson, who has been gracious and kind enough not to fall asleep completely. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm here, brother. I'm 100% listening to you uh, do your thing, bro. Well, my my thing is like this. So can, to continue this, 
Dark Side of the Ring is one of my like pastimes now because when I come home from work for some weird reason, I just I pick an episode because there's three seasons now. One of them, one of the episodes that I've always been fascinated by is like when they did the Confidential series with Conrad. Um, oh, sure, sure. Yes, I I like that dude because he's like I want to know what you think, you know, about this and. Um, one of the intriguing things that they have are, are guest appearances by like Lance Storm or, or um, yes, Chris Jericho narr- or he narrates a lot of these episodes, and I have mad respect for him. Um, but I think the hardest episodes for me to watch was uh, Owen and Benoit. That was. Actually, you know, Pillman, too, so it's three. It's um, Mula, not so much. I actually found the cat fight between the old ladies to be kind of funny. But their their episodes have definite impact on not just me, but a lot of people who are diehard wrestling fans. Because, one, it's a passion to love professional wrestling, but also it's dedication to be like hard-hitting journalists, you know, to continue with a story. Like one example of hard-hitting journalist, uh, journalism, meaning like, <clears throat> not to bore you all to tears, <clears throat> when they were doing the story on the gorgeous Gina Hernandez, there was a dude who came in their van and he came up and they had cut, I think, a few of the wires in their van while they were trying to do their story. That's dedication to continue the story because apparently no one wanted them to continue with the story about Gina Hernandez. And his, his story is a bit odd, so if you haven't heard it, watch it. If you haven't seen any of these episodes, oh boy, you know what? We've all heard about Macho Man, right? We've heard about his career in WWE, but we don't know the story about him and Liz outside of that. So, watch it. You know, before we tip off, I'm gonna chime in and tell you uh, I watched those. Uh, I watched those two, but my favorite episode is the Bruiser Brody episode. It's a you know terribly, terribly yeah. sad story, hearing how he lost his life in Puerto Rico and the mystery behind it and whatnot. And I do appreciate the I do appreciate the um, Dark Side of the Ring stories because it's telling these stories that most people glaze over and a lot of these things like Grizzly Smith need to be brought to light. It is a hard subject to watch sometimes because it's, it's sad, you know, it's sad about hearing about how China spent the last days of her life or how Owen Hart died in a huge, horrible spectacle in the ring. It's, it's, it, it, it hurts your feelings in a way, but it's definitely something that we, should not ignore and these stories these stories need to be told no matter how sad or hard I I completely agree it's just um I me personally dude I've been like the the saddest like one of the sad stories is Dynamite Kid I I caught wind of this shit and I go yeah, dude. Like when he put his wife in the closet, and she was like, "Oh, he came around," and the whole story with him and Jacques Rougeau in the back. Let me tell you something. 
if I was a wrestler in that time period, I would be afraid for my life because the dudes are literally injecting anabolic steroids in their ass. And dudes flopping around. I laughed my ass off at the scene where Jacques Rougeau was describing a dynamite kid walking in the back. And he's on the needle flopping around on his ass. And he goes, I'm going to have a fucking good match tonight. I was like, wow. And then one of his friends, Danny Spivey, and another Scottish wrestler, I believe, I didn't recall who, but he was describing, was like, oh, you know, it's just a good rib. So putting roofies in people's drinks and then crapping in their bag and shaving their head. Yeah, I understand the dude had a mouth, not Jock and Joe, but a separate dude. And they sent home, shaved his head bald. That's what they did to people they didn't like, folks. I mean, wrestling... I've, I've been involved in it briefly, and I can tell you there's a lot of ribbing, there's a lot of laughter, there's also a lot of backstabbing and betrayal and all that bullshit. It comes with the territory of being involved in wrestling. But if someone was to just say, oh, you like cards, and then smack me on the back of my head for no fucking reason, and then punch me because you think that I'm trying to take your spot, um, dude, it, it, not to be disrespectful... To the kid, you know, he's a legend. He's, there's no doubt about the kid being a fucking absolute legend in Japan and stateside when he came to WWF. Or no, it's WWE. But um, that episode made me angry and sad at the same time because how are you going to sit there and if someone doesn't want to drink, you're going to play chicken on a fucking highway and then proceed to wake up in the middle of the night and you're agitated, and you're going to throw your own wife, who's doesn't did not know she was pregnant, into the closet. Oh, and then proceed to have a shotgun barrel staring at the fu- uh, fucking forehead of her. Calls the police, and the police don't do anything because, oh, well, you should have left when you could. Like, I'm not trying to be all dramatic and shit about Dynamite Kid's life, and I respect the man, but like, as outside the ring, it's kind of just like. They told the story, did uh, Dark Side of the Ring, you know, the producers did. Um, About Bruiser Brody, though, the one thing that I found funny when they did the confidential version uh, was when they were talking about Abdul the Butcher. That that man is, um, he's actually crazy. He is absolutely batshit insane. But they said that the one way we could get him to focus was... You know, we talk about talk about Bruiser Brody's life. They gave him, you know, a structure. They gave him something that made complete and total sense. But what I find suspicious, dude, and this is just my own paranoia, was like Tony Atlas sat there and saw shit unfold. Why didn't he get involved? He like, found it. He even said, "I found it odd that the, he come in the the, the uh, sauna room or whatever it was." I'm like, well, couldn't you, couldn't you have stopped it? But the way he described the story, it's like I don't want to get into all them, you know. I, whatever, whatever you want to say, man. But there's a lot of parties involved that just watched it unfold and didn't do shit. Yeah, the Bruiser Brody story was definitely very, very sad, and it's a sad way for a guy. To end his life like that in Puerto Rico, and especially he was—he uh, still had a lot to give. He's, his career was his career was ended 
relatively short. I feel I think I think he could have had a longer a longer goal, but unfortunately he was stabbed by Invader too. I think that the dude who did it just got away with murder because Carlos Pallone, he, like I said, I'm not going to say anything ill against the promoter. I'm not going to say anything against the legend who gave his time. But imagine if Bruiser Brody was also in WWF at the time because Carlos Pallone, he had a brief stint in WWF, you know, back in the day, or E, I should say. It was very, very brief. But I'd imagine a guy like Bruiser Brody in the company with Hogan and with, you know, David Schultz and all them and Mr. T and um, just he would have fit in great in that company. I mean, they had a lot of big guys. Oh, sure. Vince had a, yeah, Vince had a business boner for big guys. Let me tell you, if it was in the 90s, I mean, imagine – I'd imagine that he would have lasted probably during the Shawn Michaels era, which would have been cool because then you'd have two big guys like him and Diesel, another big in like Yokozuna. Man, there's so many potential matches that could have happened if he was still around. But um, let's wrap this up, folks. You know, you can catch me or Pizza Simpson anytime on all our social media platforms listed. For those of you who listen in Latvia, Indonesia, Australia, Canada, the good old US of A, happy early 4th. Uh, we wish you best of luck. Stay safe. Don't shoot off fireworks from your ass because we all know what happens after that. <laughs> Two, keep watching pro wrestling. We are going to be working on new stuff for you all, new material, possible YouTube channel, all that good jazz. We're going to just... Slowly but slowly make this show bigger, badder, and better, if you will. And if you didn't like what good old Brian Rails had to say, then I got three choice words for you. Forget about it. And Pete Simpson, any last send-offs? That's it, buddy. That was a good show, man. I think we I think we really hit the fucking nail on the head. All right, buddy. I feel good, yes. Yeah, toodles, bitches. We got to go get some rest. All right. Um, good night. Happy early four. Dig it. Peace. Look in my eyes. What do you see? The Coast of personality, the coast of personality, the coast of